let, let's start this morning. And what I want to do is take a look again at this whole thing of modern, postmodern, the cultural eras. And I want to start by looking at a verse in Proverbs today. Actually, there's two different verses. In the same chapter of Proverbs 14, one says, but knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. And then further down the same chapter, verse 33, it says, wisdom's rest in the heart of the one who has understanding. Bottom line, it's really easy to know what to do when you understand what you're dealing with. And wisdom is what? It's the, it's the wise and the practical use of knowledge and truth. And guess what? When you have understanding, you are real wise to know what to do. Wise means skillful. You're skillful in the handling of the truth of God's word and how to apply it in a perfect situation at a perfect time in a perfect way. And so guess what happens when you better understand the culture we're living in? It's a lot easier for us to know why people do what they do and why they say what they say. And we can be wiser on how to contend for the faith, which we're called to do in Jude, when we understand the culture we're living in and understand what's going on. It's much we can be much wiser at navigating these days so that we can walk with Jesus faithfully and not get sucked in. And we'll be wiser and more skillful on how we can impact others for the glory of God. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand the times that we're living in. We heard from the men of Issachar. They understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. And that's what we're trying to do in this series. We're trying to better understand our times and better understand God's word and know what we should do as his people. We've heard this already. We're living in a transitional time. We're living in a time that's very unusual. Cultural eras normally last for centuries. And we are living in a time when a cultural era is shifting. And we're moving from a, from a, a time that's called modern, modernity, modern, modernism, to postmodern, the time that follows that. And uh, that transition took place someplace in the 60s and the 70s. And so we're living in a time where many of us are living in a transitional time that we're trying to understand on how to live in it. And so this morning, I just want to take a closer look at that, better understand that. So again, we can be wiser in the way we navigate these days and seek to impact others. I just want to try to explain to you, first of all, that whole cultural area called modernism. Started about the 17th century, middle of it, during a time that was called the Enlightenment. Enlightenment was a period where man's intellect became much higher in trying to explain the universe. And during that time, they believed the truth came through two means, through human reason and through science. Now, the goal of this time was this, to better humankind. And they wanted to correct many of the problems that existed through politics 
and some of the social ills that were going on there. So modernism believed that they could provide the answers to correct all these problems through human reason and the discoveries of science. And that was an age that was moving out of the Middle Ages where truth came primarily through uh, being dictated by the religious institutions and by the monarchy. And at that time, truth was basically equated with traditions. And so they passed on the tradition from one generation to the next. And it came through the church and it came through the monarchy. And then the modernism freed themselves from this as they celebrated man's intellect and man's reason and science as the answer to man's problems. Well, here's the problem. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, for centuries of this promise of a better day and a golden age that's going to come through the discoveries that came through uh, modern science and through human reason, the postmodern era was born because guess what? There were two world wars. There were constant uh, social revolutions. There was the Cold War. Um, civil unrest, social revolutions kept going on. And actually, the academic world pronounced modernism as dead. And so there was a beginning to question reason. They began to... Uh, it was a period of great uncertainty about truth and whether it could even be known. There was reassessment and a questioning of all long-term held beliefs, especially from uh, modernism. There was the celebration of differences. There was the um, skepticism that came with it. So it became a whole new age in a way of looking at truth and thinking in the, mid, uh, or in the mid 60s to 70s. Now in the modern era, they believed in what they called a grand narrative. Uh, some call it today a meta-narrative. That is one ultimate truth that explains life for everybody. And that everybody's life and story can be explained and understood in the context of this meta-narrative, this one ultimate absolute truth that explains the, uh, life for everybody. Now, the postmodern reject that and what they believe are in micro-narratives because they don't believe that there's one absolute truth that explains life for everybody, but because there's people who are very different and their story doesn't fit real easily into this meta-narrative. They believe in micro-narratives for every individual, for every subgroup, for every subculture. And so now truth, rather than something that is objective outside of ourselves, something that is absolute true for everybody, now truth became something that was subjective. It started inside of me and it's relative dependent upon the circumstances that everybody finds themselves in. And rather than truth being something that is discovered through human reason or science, truth became something that is constructed. Think of a construction worker. They make things. They create stuff. 
And so now truth is constructed by people and by groups. And so there's no one ultimate truth that explains it. Matter of fact, we gotta rearrange truth to fit our experience and our feelings and our thoughts rather than submitting our thoughts and our feelings and our situation to one big story. Bottom line, there is no the truth in the postmodern era. Now, this puts us as Christians at odds with the world we live in. We're the minority. Um, no longer is Christianity and our values kind of like the generally accepted norm as it was decades ago. But now we really stand in opposition in the beliefs that we have because we have a God, Jesus, who said he is the truth. And he said that his word, the word of God is truth. As a matter of fact, he said this, there's no other way to come to the Father but by him. He is the way. And so now when, and we're going to find here in a second, I'm promoting not the, the meta-narrative of the modern culture. I'm I'm uh, presenting and preaching week in and week out, and we believe as believers in Jesus, there's a meta-narrative, which is basically the story of God <laughs> that explains the ultimate truth. And there is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. And so we find ourselves in a day and age where the things we believe are really in conflict with the culture we live in. And as we learned last week, the hallmark of postmodernism is the rejection of absolute truth. The rejection that there is a truth that applies to all people in all places at all times. And the result of that is, well, if there is no ultimate truth, then all truths are equal. And so there's pluralism, which says that different views are all equally valid and true. There's relativism, and then there's tolerance that are the byproducts of that. And bottom line, if you do not buy into those three byproducts in this day and age, the culture thinks that you left your brains at the door and that you really don't know what's going on. So that's the difference in, in the transition of times that we've gone through. And before we go on, and what, this is my last message this morning on this whole thing of cultural eras, because next week we're going to move to the Bible, because where, where's God's truth found at? And we're going to start to talk about the Bible, and is it really credible and reliable, and what the Bible says about itself, and we're going to look at evidences externally, internally, in the weeks to come, to show that this book really is the Word of God. And it's the place where his truth is. And so to be able to navigate these times and contend for the faith and to be able to impact that, we've got to understand some definitions. We need to understand the words that are used today in the conversation um, just so we understand the way people think. And so I'm going to give you, and if you don't have this yet, uh, if, on your way in, there should have been some. If you don't, raise your hand. We've got a few that have some and they'll get them to you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the definition side here, and you need to know something. This is the Pat Peglow, I call it the PBP, 
the Pat Peglow's second edition pocket dictionary on these words. Now, I say it that way for this reason. I love what Pastor Johnson, my mentor, my predecessor here said this, says, Pat, milk a lot of cows, but make your own butter. And that's what I try to do with preaching and understanding things. So I look at what a lot of different people say, then I try to bring it back into my own words. That's what this is. And the other reason I tell you it's the PBP edition, and second edition means I've, I've worked on it a few times to try, try to get the wording, is uh, this is not the final or the best word on it. This is Pat Peglow's word on it. I'm hoping you can make it better. As you study and as you understand these things, you might be able to make these definitions even sharper than I have. But I want you to know simply th this is not the final official word on things. This is my best attempt from trying to understand these things to put it in simple words so that we can get it. I trust everybody's got it now, so let's jump in. Let's understand these words. They're so important not only for today, for the weeks to come, but for the world we live in. First one is truth. And for those at home, I've tried to put PowerPoints out that are watching online that you can follow there as well with it. And so here's some definitions in our battle for truth. Truth, we learned a few weeks ago, truth is what is real. That which corresponds to reality. That's truth. Um, next one, absolute. So absolute truth means this. It's true for all people in all places at all times. That means if it's true right here in Payless Heights, it's true in Moscow this morning. And it's true today. It was true a thousand years ago. It'll be true a thousand years from now. So it's true for all people in all places at all times. That's what absolute truth is. Um, and it's not, go back to this second, Pete, I'm sorry. And it's not, it's independent of any outside factors. So it, that, that's truth is not dependent on our circumstances or things outside of ourselves. It's just true in and of itself. Next one is relative truth. Very important. Truth is not fixed for all. Just the opposite of absolute, which we just talked about. Truth is not fixed for all, but rather it is individually determined, dependent upon a person's unique situation. And that's not only, I guess you could even say farther than a person, it could be true of a group or a subculture. And so what happens is, is they determine their own truth dependent upon the circumstances that they're in. So that's relative truth. Um, next, we have objective truth. Truth based on how things really are. Whether we agree with it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we feel it or not. It's objectively true that the sun is out in the sky someplace, even if it's covered by clouds. <laughs> you follow what I mean? Uh, even if you're blind and you can't see it, even if you can't feel the warmth of the sun, there really is a sun that's out there and because you may not see it does not mean that it doesn't exist. Objective truth is truth that is outside of ourselves. 
Um, then, then you've got subjective truth. It's truth that's based off of a person's perspective, their feelings, their opinions, and circumstances, whether it's real or not. So objective truth is dependent on what's real. Subjective truth doesn't matter whether it's real or not. It's really dependent upon the person, the subculture, or the group and their unique circumstances. Exclusive. Um, again, that is uh, what we just talked about, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Exclusive truth means the truth is limited and it does exclude some others. Um, that's basically what exclusive means. That there is a limit to truth and that, that so it does say there is some right and there is some wrong. Everything can't be right. Um, so exclusive truth, it's limited and it does exclude others. Jesus is excluding every other religion and every other person and every other prophet and every other person claims to be what? When he says there's no other way to the Father but through him. Next, pluralism. We've talked about that a little bit last week. I want you to have the definition for yourself. Two or more differing or opposing views that are equally valid and true. When pluralistic means that you can have two differing views, two opposing views that are opposites, but yet say they're both equally true and they're equally valid. That's what pluralism is. Construct, we just spoke about that a moment ago. That means that every individual, every group, or every subculture is free to create their own reality, their own truth. Create truth today. <laughs> we create truth today is what happens in this culture. And then finally, material. I say this because um, the material world and its laws, this is a very materialistic world in some respects, in some groups. Some, it's very spiritualistic. They go beyond uh, Christianity, but you're going to meet some people that are very, very material. That means the material world and its laws is all there is. Um, naturalism, same idea. The belief that nature is all there is. So when you read about things, and, they're, they're, and I actually was reading a book yesterday, I talked about a group of people that were uh, materialistic and naturalistic. That means they believe that all there is is what we can handle, see, taste, touch in the material world, and there's nothing else. So I'm more concerned about you being able to have these. I don't expect everybody memorize these or know these, but hopefully you'll take some time to understand these because this is the culture we're living in. This is the foundation of the battle. Now on the other side is a chart that I tried to create. I, I looked all over trying to find some, but there really wasn't any. So this is the first run at creating a chart that tries to put together what is going on. Um, 
I don't know who's running the camera for the people at home. We'll get that up here if we can. But make sure that that's what the people at home see and not me uh, because it, it would be helpful for them. And if you're at home, take a camera, snap a picture of your screen so you can have this. Uh, again, this is my first edition on trying to explain the differences of cultures and how they all work. Now, if you read across the top, we're going to see that there are four columns. There's an era. There's a source of truth in each of these eras. How does truth come to us in each one? And what's the nature of truth? Now, the eras, and I'm, I promote the first one. Like I said, modernism isn't the answer, and postmodernism isn't the answer, but God's eternal kingdom is the answer. And there's a whole different way of looking at truth in the kingdom of God than there is, whether it be modern or postmodern. So again, this isn't necessarily a generational thing. This isn't an age thing. The difference in eras has to do with the way we look at truth. You can be a young person and look at truth through the eyes of the kingdom of God. You can be an old person and you could be postmodern in the way you look at life and truth. So you find, this isn't age, this isn't generations, this is the way that you look at truth. And when we come to it, there's a way that we promote here at Moraine, we proclaim every week, and we're, we're encouraging again this morning, there's an era which is eternal, it's the kingdom of God, and it views truth different than every other era. The modern era started in the mid-70s, the postmodern started 1960s to the 70s. Source of truth in each one of those? Well, in the kingdom of God, the source of truth is God and his word. What's truth? Reality. Reality that we can rely upon and build our lives upon. So we in the kingdom of God believe that the reality that we can rely upon and build our life around is God himself in his word. Now, in the modern era, they believed that the source of truth was human reason and scientific discoveries. And so when they uh, are looking for reality and what you can build your life on, they were looking to man's best thoughts and what science could provide for them. And then finally, in the postmodern, the source of truth is the individual or the community of people of which that individual is a part of. And so there's a different source for each era in where truth comes from. And my goal this morning is not to debate which, you know, show all the fallacies in different eras. Obviously, I promote the kingdom of God era. Uh, problem with just science is the fact that there are immaterial spiritual things that are real that science can't prove. Science can't prove history. We have a historic faith, you know, so there, uh, my goal this morning is not to debate all those things, but just to help us understand the way people look at things. How does truth come in these different eras? Well, in the kingdom of God, we saw in Jude 3, that we are told to contend for the once and for all faith that's been handed down to us. Uh, it's revelation. 
It's something that God has made known to man that we could never know in any other way except for God revealed it to us. So in the kingdom of God, truth and even God himself as truth is revealed to us in the scriptures. It's been handed down to us. It's been revealed through the word of God. Now in the modern era, they discovered truth. So, you know, we're going to discover it through science and through man figuring things out. In the postmodern era, how does truth come? We're going to construct truth. We're going to invent truth. We're going to take it, my personal situation, my personal beliefs, my personal feelings and opinions, and we're going to construct a truth that works with that. In many ways, the postmodern culture, rather than being a people that submit to the truth, they put truth underneath themselves and they create a truth that submits to them in their situation. We as the people of God, we submit to God and his truth and we define our lives and see our lives in light of what God says rather than, well, my life is different than that and it's not fitting well, um, re redefining the truth. The nature of truth, we looked at a lot of these words. The kingdom of God, it's absolute true for all people in all places at all times. It's objective. It's something that's true outside of me, whether I feel it or not, like it or not. It's exclusive. It does exclude other truths. And it's spiritual and material. So there is a material world we don't deny as believers, and there's realities to it, but there's also a spiritual world. Now, the modern believed in absolute truth, you know, the one big meta-narrative that applied to everybody as they looked for that objective truth was trusted. But they believed only in a material world and not a spiritual world. And then finally, the postmodern world, truth is relative. It can constantly flux and change from person to person and group to group. It is subjective. That means that it um, subject. It's the idea that um, it starts with me. It's plural. You know what? I just noticed the misspelling there, and I'll, I'll take fault for that. Plural, it doesn't have a T in it. I must have hit something. I was going too quick. I'll try to fix that. And then finally, spiritual and material. Um, Postmodern does believe that there's a spiritual world, but they don't limit it to the exclusive claims of Jesus. They, um, they look at both a world that is spiritual and material, but with many different spiritualities. So that's really um, it's the world we're living in, guys. It's the age we're living. We're living a transition where all three of these are taking place at the same time. Uh, you got people, people like us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that are living uh, in light of the kingdom of God, the eternal era. And we're living in a world that for a while lived under the modern way of thinking and now the postmodern, and we see both of those clashing and interacting at the same time. That summarizes the world we live in. And um, I wanna just, where do we go from here? 
I'm going to come back, like I said, I'm going to come back from here and talk about because God's truth is revealed in the Bible. We're going to spend a number of weeks talking about the Bible. Mike Locke is going to share one of these weeks a little bit more about this whole thing and how we walk in the midst of it. Um, but we are going to be looking pretty strong at the Bible in the next number of weeks. I want to tell you, this is my opinion in one way I see it happening today. And I want to just help jumpstart. And I'm glad to hear some people, you know, some of the company says, well, Pat, I, I was reading an article or I was listening to a newscast. And after hearing what you said, it makes sense now because I can see where they're coming from. And I just want to share with you one way that I see it. You may have ways you see it in different ways, but I want to help you be wiser as you listen and you watch and you walk in this world. So I'm just going to share with you one of the key ways that I see this thinking impacting us today and what we need to do about it. And I see it in three in our culture, in three of the institutions in particular, media, politics, and education. This is the one application, there's, you know, there's way more application, but this is the one I want to bring to prime the pump with your thinking. And that's what I see happening today. Our people are constructing truth through a thing they call talking points. If you start listening close, you start to hear whether it's politics, uh, whether it's medical, whether it's whatever, you're starting to find out there's talking points that people now have that they're supposed to speak about in the media and in politics. And again, like I said, so many different areas. And these talking points are, are de determined by this. What do we want people to believe? Those are the things we're going to talk about. It has nothing to do with what the facts are or what the truth. Oh, by the way, let me say this before I go on. I want you to know I see this on both sides of the aisle, by the way. Whether you watch Fox News or whether you watch CNN, I see both sides doing this. And, and you know, one of the things that troubles, because I, I really, the way I'm made and what I've been trained to do is try to find the truth when I watch the news and I read the news, I try to see what the truth is. And if I watch two different channels, guess what happens? I get conflicting information. And then what happens is I turn on this channel and they show this, go, oh, man, that jacks me up. Then I turn on the other channel. Well, why didn't they tell me about that part and what they said there? Because everybody's taking things out of context. People are only giving you half-truths. They're not giving you the whole story. They're going for what they want you to believe. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever they all are. Guys, this is what they're doing today. And they're starting with talking points on what they want us to believe rather than seeking facts for what is true. And then what happens is this. If you don't side with them, you're bullied. You're vilified. You're shamed. You're canceled. You're labeled. And all of a sudden, if you don't happen to agree with this way of doing things, you're labeled as 
as this kind of person. And now all of a sudden, rather than an honest conversation where you seek to find the truth in what's real, all of a sudden now you got to defend yourself. Or, no, I'm not like that. No, no, no. You're labeled and you're put in a group and you're already predetermined about everything you believe before they've even asked you what you believe. And guys, this is going on, and again, all over the place in our culture today from people as they walk with one another. And if you don't believe what they believe, all of a sudden you're vilified, you're shamed, you're canceled, you're labeled, you're whatever. And all intelligent conversation and getting to the truth that you can build your life on is very difficult to find. You see, the goal today is not facts. And again, I'm, I, I'm not going to say every person and every, you know, be, help me understand. You know, I'm talking the mainstream directions. You got me, guys? Maybe you found a channel. Maybe you found some place. But I'm telling you, the mainstream of the world today, when you walk in these areas, the goal is not to find facts. It's to promote an agenda. And if leaving out this bit of information and not talking about it anymore or canceling people that disagree with me or vilifying people or labeling them. That's basically what's happening in our culture today so we can't get at the truth. And I love these two quotes that say this. Booker T. Washington said, a lie doesn't become truth Wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority. I think we'd agree with that. That's what absolute truth is all about, right? And then here's another one that's been used repeatedly by different ones. People are entitled to their own opinions, but not to their own facts. It's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing to have a fact. And so this is the problem we have, guys. This is the problem I have. I'm a common guy. I really am. And um, when it comes to trying to find the truth about issues, in this day, when I watch the news, I hear what they want me to hear. I primarily don't hear the facts. I usually don't hear the whole story. I only hear a part of the story. And there's things left out or taken out of context that people said so that reality is a common guy here that can't spend his whole life going investigating everything to find out what the truth is. I'm left in a place where I really don't know where the truth is. I'm hearing what people want me to hear, and I think you've seen it. It's full of contradictions. Contradictions from this side of the aisle and this side of the aisle there's contradictions from this news station and this news station. There's contradictions from this doctor and that doctor. And not only is there dis contradictions from the sides of the house, guess what? If you listen long enough, this side contradicts itself. And this side contradicts itself. You're going, what in the world is truth? I'm going to tell you what. I got some good news for you this morning. Here's truth. And if you want to build your life on something that is real, that you can rely upon, it's the Word of God. Guys, in this culture and in this time where we have no idea, and we're not being told the truth, we're not, people aren't even looking to get the truth to you. People want you to buy into their agenda. 
The only place we can come to to find truth is the Word of God. And it's a truth that has a meta-narrative that explains all the other things that are going on, and it's absolute and it applies to all people in all places at all times. Now if I want to build my life on something that is certain, I start here. And when I fill my life with this, I become the kind of person Psalm 1 says, how blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You get that? Guys, you want to be firmly planted in these days? (laughs) Build your life off of this book. Let this book control your thinking. Let this book interpret what's going on. Let this book tell you how to live life and how to make decisions and who you can trust and where to go to. And when you do that, the scripture says you'll be firmly planted a tree by streams of water. So guess what? That means you'll be constantly nourished. And you know what happens when that happens? It says you'll yield your fruit in your season. Your leaf doesn't wither. You'll be healthy. And whatever you do, you'll prosper. That's not financial prosperity. That's personal prosperity in your life and relationships. So guys, I just got to encourage you in this day and age, make this the book (laughs) that you rely upon. Make this the book that fills your life. Make this the book you think about day and night. Let this fill your life and you'll become strong and stable and prosperous in a day and age when nobody knows what the real truth is about all the stuff out there. But we can know the real truth about what's happening eternally and what God is doing. So I just want to close by recommending a few books to you that you can further understand these things. The first one is this. Another gospel by... Alyssa Childers. Now, those of you that are much more in tune with the music world than I am, she was part of the Zoe Girl group, if you remember when they were back. Well, Alyssa, um, she found a church that she was really impressed with and just really loved the services and the pastor and everything was going on. But when she got in a little bit closer, she come to find out that this pastor was a progressive pastor and was undermining everything she grew up believing. And so what this book is, and I'll tell you what, a couple of our leaders were reading it and recommended it. I said, oh, I gotta, I gotta check that out. And I was like, wow. She tells her story. So I love the way she, I wish I could communicate the in story the way she does, but rather than just fact after fact after fact, it's her story of how she walked through this experience where her faith was shaken by a progressive pastor and how it drove her to search for the truth herself. And her two feet landed again on God and his word and the stability of that. It's a tremendous book, uh, one I'd recommend you read. Second one is called The Truth War. It's by John MacArthur, it's an older book. In many ways, you can just call this John's um, commentary of the book of Jude. And what he does is his applications have to do with the postmodern world because this book is older, but it was written uh, maybe a decade or two after 
the postmodern thinking started to invade the church. And so he uses a lot of illustrations of postmodern thinking as he tries to explain the truth of the book of Jude and how they relate to one another. A great book, again, to read to further understand these things. The third one is this, The Ever-Loving Truth by Vody Bachman. Can faith thrive in a post-Christian culture? This book explains to us, really um, helps us understand the culture we're living in, but helps us understand how to live in it. The first one helps us understand some of the you know, the differences and how we can come on two feet. The second one talks about the truth in Jude. This, how do we live in this? How do we engage with people here? How can we win people to Jesus in this culture? You know, it's just really a great practical book on how to live in these days and start, stand firm and impact others. Now, I will say this. There's a couple things, not in this book, great book, but there's a couple beliefs that Vody has that are different than we would hold in a church and a couple practices and methods that he has that are different. Uh, so I want you to know this. Whenever I recommend a book, I'm recommending the book. Not that everything a person says, you, should, you guys understand that, I trust. Remember what Acts 17 says? Speaking of the Bereans, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. Hey, bring it on, I want to hear this. But they examined the scripture daily to see whether things they heard were so. We should do that with every preacher you hear, including Pastor Pat. And we should do that with every book we read, every speaker we hear. We always need to bring it back to the ultimate filter and say, what does God's word say? So guys, thanks for bearing with me over these weeks. It's real different for those who come and say, man, I, heard the, I came to hear the Bible preached. Um, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm hoping that this is helpful for us in our culture because these are important things for us to understand, to be effective in impacting others for Jesus and not getting sucked in to the current day culture and dragged away from Jesus. So let me close in prayer. Thank you for your patience. Encourage you to keep this with you in your Bible. Review it. Keep coming back to it. I think it'll be a helpful resource for you in these days. So Father, I, I want to thank you for the eternal era. The kingdom of God that actually started in eternity past and will continue to eternity future. And Lord, is in operation today. And I want to thank you, Father, that by your grace, you chose us in eternity past. And by the work of Jesus in history, he died to pay our sins. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit applied all of that to our understanding and to our hearts so that we call upon you to be saved. So I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, you give us something that can make us firm and strong in our days and not tossed here and there and back and forth by every wind of doctrine or news that we hear. And Father, I want to pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, would you, by your Spirit, be speaking to their heart and cause them to turn to you or to come to one of us and say, 
I don't know Jesus. I want to get to know him. So Lord, I just commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.